Welcome to the Queer Conversation podcast brought to you by Lotol Media, a show where we discuss all things queer. I am your host, Silke Bader, a publisher and producer in the LGBTQI space in Australia for the past 30 years. In Australia, about 151,000 people are diagnosed with cancer every year, excluding common skin cancers. It is estimated that LGBTQI plus people make up 5% of Australia's population. This means it's likely that over 7,500 LGBTQI plus people are diagnosed with cancer each year and approximately 23,000 are cancer survivors. In today's episode, we meet Professor Jane Usher, an LGBTQI plus advocate and cancer survivor, Julie McCrossan, to discuss the launch of the publication LGBTQI plus People and Cancer, a guide for people with cancer, their families and friends, a landmark publication and the first of its kind in Australia. The new resource has been developed closely with Professor Jane Usher and her team at Western Sydney University. LGBTQI plus organizations, health professionals and LGBTQI plus people affected by cancer to deliver a resource addressing the particular information needs of these communities. Welcome to Queer Conversation. In the virtual studio with me today is Professor Jane Usher and Julie McCrossan. So, Jane, you have been on Queer Conversation last year and we talked about the research that you've been conducting over the last few years. And I think this guide is the result of this research. So could we maybe start off with refreshing um, our memory on what the research was about and why the research was conducted? Well, this is um, a big project that was funded by the government, by the Australian Research Council, looking at experiences of cancer survivorship across the LGBTQI community. So we were looking at experiences of cancer care, experiences around diagnosis, talking to healthcare professionals, getting support, and also, I think very importantly, sources of distress. Because what we know and what we found in our study is that LGBTQI people with cancer report much higher distress than uh, the general cancer population. We found that over 40% of our participants in our study, and we had 650 people with cancer and, and their carers, 40% reported um, high or very high distress. And in the normal cancer population, the general cancer population, I should say, it's about 7%. So it's really quite significantly higher rates of distress. And one of the causes of it is... Um, discrimination in cancer care. We found 45% of our participants reported dis feeling discriminated in cancer care and also feelings of anxiety around disclosing sexuality and gender um, diversity to healthcare professionals, fear of being discriminated against because we found 85% of people reported discrimination in their lives. And that means we've got a legacy of fear that we bring into our cancer journeys when we've got to out ourselves. It's like, what's the doctor going to say? Um, what's the nurse going to say? You know, one of our participants said, I'm afraid if I tell the doctor that I'm gay, he'll want me to die. Um, and people gave us lots of accounts of um, outing themselves to their doctor and, and feeling that the doctor was rejecting of them or not comfortable with them. 
um, partners not being included in care. So a lot of these factors actually mean that there's there's much higher levels of distress in this population. And so some people choose not to out themselves as a result of that. But that means that they can't bring their same gender partner into care. Um, it means that they're not necessarily getting information that's irrelevant to their body or to their sexuality, to their life situation. So a real sense of invisibility in cancer care and invisibility in terms of who you are as a person. And we also found we did a we did a review of all of the online resources in Australia that are aimed at, at people with cancer. And we found only 13 percent mentioned LGBTQI people which is appalling. It means as a community, we are invisible. It's as if we don't exist. So the language is all heteronormative, assuming everyone's straight, assuming everyone's cisgender. And this is where the Council Council um, resource is really addressing that huge gap that um, Cancer Council are, are partners on this research alongside a number of other organisations. Um, and Cancer Council are actually making sure that we are included in both general cancer information, so all of their resources for around fertility, sexuality, carers, that are actually inclusive of our communities. But also there's this now incredibly comprehensive specific resource, resource it's 80-page resource, which is information directly for us as a community, talking about our specific needs, our specific bodies, and how we might be different as, as people with cancer. It's incredible work that um, you have been doing over the last few years. And the result of this is this uh, booklet that the Cancer Council now has uh, produced. And truly, you are advocating for this, for this guide. Why is it important for you? Look, it's important for me because I'm a lesbian woman who uh, just under 10 years ago uh, had a stage four oropharyngeal cancer diagnosis. That's tonsils. Uh, tongue and throat uh, caused by the human papilloma virus, HPV, uh, which was an appalling shock because I had been a non-alcohol drinker and a non-tobacco smoker for decades and I didn't know that HPV caused a number of cancers, not just cervical. So it, it was a huge shock. And if I could just say why this booklet is important to me is that I, I've been on the front line. I've walked into a cancer centre. Um, for people who haven't had cancer, you may not know, you commonly walk in and most places, thankfully, uh, uh, have a wall where there are line lines of booklets by Cancer Council New South Wales or Cancer Council Australia, but essentially cancer council booklets on every sort of cancer and many, many issues, financial issues, workplace-related issues, uh, different types of treatment options. You know, we rely on these booklets for evidence-based, regularly updated and illustrated information. Now, just under 10 years ago, uh, there wasn't one directly related to, um, I'll use the expression rainbow people just because there are so many letters as we know, so I use the expression rainbow. And I just know how wonderful it would have been if I'd walked into the cancer centre and on the wall there'd been this. I would have, I commend Cancer Council New South Wales and I know they did lots of research talking to survivors and uh, organisations, but having this image It's, it's our colours, it's inclusive, and it's a heart. So it's, it's a kindness. Because what we desperately want uh, when you've got a life-threatening illness, you want, you want professionalism, you want up-to-date multidisciplinary care, but you desperately want to feel cared for, uh, you know, kindness 
is it's just so important. It helps you survive. And you also want your family and friends to feel welcome and supported. If I could, may I say two quick things, Silke, just in response to Jane. I, I was shocked uh, when I read this booklet and background about the research to hear the much higher rates of distress for gay, lesbian, bisexual, queer, transgender, intersex, you know, rainbow people, because um, to me I, I understood it, but I was sorry to see it because my understanding of it is because of that we've all had usually awful experiences, many of us if we're older with our families, and, of course, older people are more likely to get cancer, not exclusively, but more likely. Um, and we'll, we'll have had some problems with someone at work or, you know, just someone. We've all had problems. And so if you've got that trauma in your background, it's just the last thing you want when you're facing the trauma of the tough treatments that often are necessary for survival or longer life. Uh, you don't want to feel like you've got to risk people not being comfortable about you being gay or something. So uh, I was just so sorry to read that because in my lifetime or in your lifetime, Silka, we've seen so much improvement, haven't we? Decriminalisation, uh, people in Cabinet and head of the AMA and on the High Court are all openly uh, rainbow people and yet in the clinches, uh, um, getting service delivery, getting cancer treatment, uh, we fear that, oh, my God, will we meet someone of a faith group that finds us unacceptable? Um, so I'm just so grateful for this book. And uh, particularly it will be good not only for people with a diagnosis and their families but for multidisciplinary team members who would like to be welcoming but are a bit nervy about what does non-binary mean or is it okay to say lesbian and gay these days or is it okay to ask, um, um, you know, questions about your genitals? I know, I mean, how on earth would you ask those questions? But I happen to go to a uniting church, have been for many years, where people are welcome, everyone's welcome, and a close friend of mine very much presents as a man, even has a full beard, but I know this person has female genitals. I don't know, am I, am I using the wrong language? I can get nervous too. Um, so I think the great advantage of this book is it's got evidence-based factual information. It's got quotes from all sorts of rainbow people who've received treatment, and it will say to people, don't be afraid, just open up the conversation and we'll all do our best. It, Jane, am I making sense? It makes absolute sense. And I think that there's a real need for healthcare professionals to have information about working with, treating, talking to LGBTQI people. And we surveyed hundreds of healthcare professionals working in um, Australia as part of our study. And we found that a lot of people felt confident about working with the LGBTQI community in terms of willingness, but actually said that they're lacking information and that particularly they're lacking resources that actually allows them to work with people and give information to, to their patients. Um, but a lot of healthcare professionals do feel anxious about getting the language right and feel, am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to put my foot in it? Um, and, and particularly interestingly around working with trans people and people with an intersex variation where there's less knowledge. And so that's why in terms of working with this, producing this booklet, the Cancer Council have actually worked with people across, as you described, the rainbow community. So there is information for trans and non-binary people. 
Uh, there's information for people with an intersex variation. And the Cancer Council have worked with organisations like ACON, have worked with the intersex organisations to make sure that it's that the commu our communities at Voices are actually in this booklet. Um, one of the things we're aiming to do out of the study, study is also produce guidelines for healthcare professionals so that people can, can actually see um, what they should be doing in communication about asking for pronouns, about making sure that same gender pa partners are included, um, not assuming everybody's straight and cisgender when you see a patient and that you can't tell whether somebody's a lesbian or not by looking at them, whether, you know, you describe your, your friend who's, who's trans or non-binary, Julie. You know, you, if you look at somebody who's a trans person with a beard, you're not going to be able to tell that they have female genitals. They'll, they'll you know, you'll read them as a man and that's how it should be. And I think for healthcare professionals, that can be quite anxiety provoking. So this sort of information and in our research can can really help healthcare professionals. And it means that a doctor or a nurse who's seeing someone can say to someone who is part of the rainbow community, look, here's something that might be helpful to you. If you've got any questions, come and talk to me. And that's such an important signposting to saying, I, I'm actually going to practice in a culturally safe way. I'm actually going to be inclusive of you. I'm not going to discriminate against you. That's actually the best almost badge you can wear to say it's actually okay you can feel safe with me and then when we go and see a, a doctor or a nurse we're not carrying that extra burden of anxiety that they might be rude to us or exclude us this booklet for me it, it sounds like it's as important for people who are affected by cancer and their family and supporters as much as the health profession so can you run us through or truly can you run us through what's actually in the book? A couple of things that really were important to me, and then Jane could give you a more comprehensive overview, because I read it as a consumer, essentially. And, and could I just quickly say for anyone who's watching who, who may be a rainbow person who's got a recent diagnosis, there are many cancer centres who I think are doing well in this area. It, it can depend on whether, so for example, I was lucky enough to be treated in the inner eastern suburbs of Sydney in part of the St Vincent's Health Network. They have a long-standing relationship with the inner city community, with uh, people who are living with HIV. Uh, and so I experienced no discrimination. My wife, or my now wife, and I were absolutely treated inclusively. And I think there are many parts of Australia where that is true. Uh, but there'll be other communities who just, they may be rural hospitals or outer suburban hospitals, where there just isn't the same ease and openness. Um, but let me say, you've asked what's good about this book. I'll say two things that I particularly love. One is there is a page with a checklist of how to make people feel welcome. Uh, and I just think being welcome is so important that you can relax and concentrate on just dealing with the cancer. And the very first um, example is to is to show the rainbow flag. We now have this kind of slightly different flag, uh, um, the pride uh, uh, rainbow, but that, that those flags, just as with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, you can come into some cancer centres now, and I've seen it where they'll have the Torres Strait Islander flag, the Aboriginal flag, and the rainbow flag all displayed together. And that is the simplest way to say, we've given some thought to you and you are welcome. But they have much more sophisticated ones. Um, the other thing I found incredibly helpful 
um, was the uh, the terms, the what non-binary means, all the different words, what they meant, what they mean. I found that as a rainbow person who MCs in the community all over Australia, and I'm a professional MC, and I still have to check I'm up with the latest variation. It is a moving feast. And uh, not to worry if you get it wrong. It's much better to try and open the discussion. But they do have great information here. And the great thing about Cancer Council is they not only have good distribution, they regularly update and they always consult uh, the communities who are affected and the professionals. So we can be sure this will get updated. But the other thing as a patient or a survivor that I've found great is there are quotes all the way through from people who've had cancer about their cancer experience and it says what cancer they had. Um, why I think that's good is also the diversity of cancers. Because so many people get breast cancer and so many people get prostate cancer, they, we often know a lot about those two cancers. I, ha I got what is considered a rare cancer. It's called oropharyngeal, tonsils, tongue and throat, all this region here. Uh, the main risk factor is oral sex uh, and and number of sexual partners. Now, that means a lot of rainbow people are going to be at a higher risk. I had no idea when I was diagnosed that throat cancer could come from HPV. I, I thought it was tobacco and alcohol. Um, and it is the curve is going up for HPV-related oropharyngeal. I think Martina Ravalova has just been diagnosed with it, and the Washington Post newspaper made reference to the fact that lesbians are more at risk than other women. Well, it's because we have oral sex with women. Um, so you know how I can comfortably talk about this? It's because I'm a member of the rainbow world, and I've, like all of us, uh, I'm in my late 60s, I've been through um, the HIV crisis, um, and uh, I can talk about oral sex. I'm not embarrassed. But that's not true for a lot of the people who front up with this cancer. So another thing, Jane, that I love about this is that you mentioned lots of different cancers. And the good news is that Cancer Council has booklets on all the cancers. And so I think this will draw attention to the world of Cancer Council information, which is also online. And they also have a, a, a wonderful helpline, a free national helpline, uh, staffed by nurses and other clinicians where you can ask anything and they're not embarrassed. Um, and finally, I, I'm very grateful on the emphasis on non-binary and transgender people because in my experience, Jane, um, in, sometimes people will consider taking their own life rather than be vulnerable in a health context because they're so afraid of discrimination. So the fact that you're helping with this research and booklet to reassure that part of our population, that if you get cancer, we're going to lovingly care for you, that will be life-saving. Thank you, Julie. Jane, you did mention earlier that there, there you have some plans um, to work with health professionals or to give them guidelines. How is that going to work? What what, what are your plans there? Um, well, we out of the study, we're going to produce guidelines. So we have the information there from what the patients want and what, what cancer survivors and their partners want, um, the sort of information that they want and the sort of behaviour that they want within the system. So we're actually going to produce those guidelines across the next couple of months. Um, we've also put in for some funding to do a really systematic evaluation of those guidelines and to have them approved by the NHMRC. So that's something that I'm hoping will happen. 
And we've been talking to the Cancer Institute um, about working with them because it's, as, as you may or may not know, it's part of the New South Wales Cancer Plan um, to actually address the needs of the LGBTQI community. So the ministry are actually supportive of this. Cancer Council are also, also on board, as are our other partners for taking this to the next level. But I think, you know, going back to your question about what's in the booklet, this booklet is primarily meant for consumers. So it's meant for, for LGBTQI people with cancer and their um, carers, their partners across the whole cancer spectrum. And I think that's very important, you know, linking back to what Julie said, that a lot of the existing resources out there, there are some good resources in Australia for prostate and breast cancer. Um, but this is the first resource internationally that will actually look across cancer types. And actually, we look at things like sexuality, fertility, coming out to your healthcare professional, how to do it, financial issues, what your legal rights are, um, issues at end of life and palliative care, um, what to do if you, in, in, in particular issues for trans people. And we know we found in our research for some trans people, cancer treatment actually could interfere with the process of gender affirmation. But for other people, it actually affirmed it and, and helped, you know, resulted in gender euphoria. Um, we, there's, there's specific information for people with an intersex variation and many intersex people had surgery when they were children because of a purported risk of cancer. So they're coming to a cancer experience with a lot of anxiety and often a lot of hostility to healthcare professionals who might have removed part of their genitalia um, before they were even old enough to give consent because of a, a cancer that they might get in the future. Um, so quite specific issues across um, our communities that, that are actually all covered in, in the booklet. Um, so it's really what people might use it and read particular sections that are relevant to them and might come back to it at another time. And also these booklets can be used as a way of communicating. So it might be um, communicating with your family. Some people have talked about cancer actually has precipitated them coming out to family because they don't want to be closeted anymore because they actually say, look, I realise I've got what this is it's so important in my life. I'm not going to lead a pretend life anymore. So it might be a way of starting a communication with family. So I think this is a it's actually a really important resource, not only in Australia, but internationally, because there's actually nothing out there internationally that's as comprehensive as this. And I can tell you that because we reviewed every single resource that's available internationally on LGBTQI cancer. And this is really, you know, it's, it's world standard and cutting edge. So I think we're going to have a bigger impact even than, you know, within our Australian community. And for our listeners, how can they get access to the book if they cannot find it at the local medical clinic? So it's basically, um, the web address is cancercouncil.com.au backward slash LGBTQI. 13 11 20 uh, is an information and support line run by Cancer Council. 13 11 20. It's a free call and they will send you out copies of this and give you any other information that you want. Uh, so I think 13, 11, 20 is a, an easy call for people. That's great. Thank you, Julie. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, um, Jane, for finishing off this. Um, I, I don't know. Is the study finished? I, I mean, you seem to be researching all the time. I am researching all the time. I think I need a holiday. Um, we've, we've actually, the funding has finished but we're still um, disseminating the research. So we've published seven papers out of the study so far. And um, we're, if you look at, if you go on 
Um, look on our Out With Cancer website. You'll be able to get access to all of those publications, which are open access. We're also producing a plain English report, um, which can make it much uh, much easier to read. We've got a lot of photographs out of the study that people with cancer took, so that's going to be part of that. Um, and we'll be writing up more academic papers, but hopefully continuing by you know, doing more work with healthcare professionals to, to make sure that inclusive practices that are culturally safe for our communities um, actually are, are become normal practice in healthcare and, and not something that you only need to go into inner suburbs hospitals to get. Thank you, Jane, for for doing this work. And thank you, Julie, for being an ambassador to promote this uh, fantastic um, booklet that's been launched. And could I just say a, a special farewell and hello uh, to anyone living with cancer right now in treatment or in the recovery period and, and their family and friends and uh, wish you well for a good recovery. And that 13 11 20 number can give you access to all sorts of information and support, financial advice and so on. So uh, 13 11 20 is a great number to know for this booklet but for everything else that Cancer Council do. And thanks so much, Silke, for, for giving uh, you know, information about this to our community. Thank you very much for coming onto the show and sharing this with everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, or Facebook using the tag at Media, or head over to our website, lotl.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.